Shining a light on the women creating impact, leading organizations, and mission-focused strategic programs across the federal technology and consulting community, this is Impact. I'm being joined today by Valerie Mattinson-Brown. Valerie is a healthcare senior executive at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, where she serves as the Chief Strategy Officer for the Veterans Health Administration. Valerie, thank you for taking the time to join me today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So let's just start with the beginning. Is there an experience or an event that you believe helped steer you down your current path? Well, yes, I I think so. From, you know, as a, a little girl, um, I grew up in a household and in a family um, uh, who were focused on health care. So my mother and her three sisters were all registered nurses and always in the back of my mind, you know, health care, health care, health care was um, part of my my thinking. Um, even so much so I wanted to be, become a candy striper when I was younger, but um, that did not quite happen. But um, through, through you know, seeing my mother, my aunts working in uh, healthcare, and then um, adding the lens of business slash accounting to it, because that was my focus, um, accounting and finance. I had clients um, when I went to public um, accounting that were healthcare organizations. And so I thought, what a, an excellent way to kind of blend the two, you know, my, the, my history of, you know, healthcare uh, from my family's perspective and then learning about accounting um, for healthcare from a financial perspective. So I think that was kind of what, you know, kind of started me down this path. And then um, I also um, am a military brat. My father retired from the Army, and my mother also was a in the Army Nurse Corps. So kind of all of those things coming together really brought me to where I am now in the Veterans Health Administration. Yeah, that was going to be my question. What? Why the Veterans Health Administration? What? What? Besides being a military brat, was there anything else that really drew you to that? Avenue? Well, uh, you know, probably altruism and, you know, just my belief that, you know, we, we support our country in many ways and our military, um, um, you know, soldiers, airmen, corpsmen, all the like, you know, they put their lives on the line for us uh, every day. And so, you know, to provide benefits to them, whether it's health care, um, you know, other benefits, um, et cetera. It's our responsibility to make sure that they're cared for. And so, um, and I, I didn't add, I'm, I'm also a, an army spouse. My husband retired after 32 years. Uh, and so it also close to home. So I know the experience from being a, um, at home while my husband's deployed with the children. Uh, and everything that could go wrong goes wrong, you know, while mm-hmm. deployed. So, you know, it just all, again, it all just came to a head like this is where I can provide, you know, my best service for the best mission um, possible in my mind. Wow, that's really great. Now, do, along the way, was there a leader or mentor that helped guide you? Well, yes. Um, so, you know, 
having a service background. So I definitely believed in community service, service to my country. You know, that was what was taught in my household, but I never thought that I would, um, actually work for the federal government. So I say, I say that in a hushed, hushed tone, but, um, I got my first federal position at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, uh, right out of uh, graduate school, uh, where I was focusing on healthcare policy. Um, and so I met, um, a woman there, Brenda Joyce Sykes, met her. She's a senior executive um, at CMS. It was called HICFA at the time. And I got a chance to watch her uh, in leadership and watch her interact, watch her just kind of think through, you know, how best we should be uh, thinking about policies that, you know, for that organization impacted those who received Medicare and Medicaid services. And I was at a point um, where I said, oh, maybe federal service isn't for me, but, you know, let me just kind of observe. And again, I got a chance to observe her, got a chance to meet her and uh, became her mentee. And uh, she, even to this day, is part of what I call my board of directors. So those those people that I go to seek advice uh, and support for where I'm going. And so um, so she definitely um, was a guide uh, for me and still is um, as I continue to navigate, um, you know, this, the federal space and the leadership space, I will say. And it's really important to continue to always have someone that you can reach out to, even if you're not asking them for advice specifically for what you're doing, just to have someone to, is it, am I making the right choices? <laughs> right, exactly. Sounding board, sounding board. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and the answer always is, well, you already know the answer. You know <laughs> the answer, but it's just like, okay, my, my North Star, am I going in the right direction? Yep. Mm-hmm. So as a leader, what are some things that leaders should keep in mind as they guide teams and drive organizations forward? Well, I think, you know, one of the most important things um, is to really have a sense for one, the culture of your organization, because as you're, you know, you're guiding your organization and you're leading change, change is really often difficult. Uh, and, you know, you have to really be able to um, it, explain the why to your team. Uh, one, you know, what's your your vision? Um, and then two, why why is this important? Why are we changing and what impact um, and outcome do we expect to have as a basis or as a result of the change? So, you know, making sure, you know, you, you understand the culture, you're in constant communication with, with your team, um, because you can never, um, communicate too much, um, about what, what we're doing, what our goals are. And then as you, um, communicate, uh, and get feedback, you know, from your team, um, be in a position to provide the tools that they need so that they can be successful. Therefore, you can be successful as a leader and the organization can be successful. Um, so, you know, those are some of the things I think about and, and share with others that, you know, you have to be certain of your why, um, have that emotional intelligence to understand how um, the why is going to impact 
you know, your team knows you're leading and then, you know, how to help them navigate uh, through and, you know, be productive. That's great. Yeah. Really hands on leaders are really, really important. Mm -hmm. So if someone was sitting back and they're like, I want to be just like Valerie someday, what (laughs) is, what are some things looking at your career? What are some tips that you would give people that got you to where you are today? Some things that would help them avoid maybe some of the roadblocks that you faced along the way? Well, I, I think the one thing is a couple of things is one, be curious, always be curious. Um, don't be stagnant and, you know, kind of uh, warm the seat, if you will. Um, I was always interested in one, how decisions were made. I always wanted to be, you know, the fly on the wall or in the peanut gallery to observe um, you know, and their valuable lessons in um, observing, observe what to do and definitely observe what not to do. So that's part of your learning. Um, so always volunteer. I volunteer. Pro- folks probably say too much. I volunteer too much. My family would say that for sure. Um, but always volunteer again to get you additional experience to, you know, get yourself in front of other leaders, you know, who get a chance to see you. Um, and, um, take on, on the assignments, the hard assignments, um, you know, because that's how you, you know, grow and develop when you're doing the hard things and you'll be, you'll be surprised, you know, at how, how strong you are. One of my, um, uh, sayings here is not a new saying, but I, I do love it. Pressure makes diamonds. And so, um, I, I like to have a, a field of of diamonds, if you will, on my team because they try and do, you know, those things that are hard. Um, So, and, you know, and just have a a spirit of, um, you know, be strong and, you know, don't give up, you know. So for me, I I always like to um, say I'm, I'm always pushing the boulder uphill because, you know, there's a, a place that I want to get to. I have a goal um, and sometimes it's difficult, but I continue to push the boulder up the hill. And so, you know, I don't want anyone to think that, you know, there, there won't be challenges along the way, but persevere, push the boulder, it will move. Um, and, you know, bring those others along with you, you know, to help you push. So, um, you know, so be open, you know, to opportunities, volunteer, persevere. And, um, you know, always be curious. Yeah. What winning a race isn't ever as easy to brag about if it was all downhill and easy the whole way. You right. have to be able to say, Oh, I survived heartbreak hill and, yeah, and right. it was, it was hard, but I did it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Right. And that, that's what the memories are made of and, um, lessons. I mean, that's the thing, lessons learned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's the other thing. Well, I'll add one other thing. Um, be willing to listen to advice. Um, you know, others have been down this road, um, mm-hmm. or similar road and, you know, you don't always have to, you know, do it the hard way. So, so at least listen um, to advice that's given to you, consider it before you make your, you know, next step. And um, that's all part of, of learning. And, you know, if you so decide not to, 
um, you know, take the advice, then, you know, you just have that in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lesson learned also. Yep. So now looking towards the future, mm-hmm. what do you think is one of going to be one of the greatest focuses in your industry over the next five years? Well, I, I think two, well, two things, two related and, um, you know, it's not necessarily new, but the application of it, you know, we're all talking about artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and we're talking about it in relation to um, offerings of digital health uh, and virtual health care. So for for the healthcare industry, number one, and particularly for veterans health, uh, we're looking at how we can use artificial intelligence to increase uh, productivity for our providers and, you know, efficiency um, with which we provide care. You know, so what kind of um, support can we provide to the clinician so they can, you know, stay steady focused on the patient rather than, you know, on paperwork mm-hmm. um, or documenting charts. Um, but also we're looking at how we can use artificial intelligence from um, the other side of the administrative um, lens, if you will. So hiring human resources, we know that's always a challenge in, in all organizations. Um, and so how can we use artificial intelligence to help us um, from that, that lens? Um, so that and then digital health. Um, you know, how do we make, um, you know, offerings of, you know, telehealth, virtual care, just another modality of care rather than um, just one single source of care. And we saw, of course, that during the pandemic and, um, you know, we were successful and in, in we healthcare industry successful um, in providing that care. But, you know, we can't go backwards now. So how do we make that virtual care um, as, again, effective, um, efficient, so that our clinicians are productive and our veteran patients um, can be seen when they want to be seen. So so that's what it what it looks like uh, for us in veteran healthcare and I think the rest of the healthcare industry um, over the next several years. So using, you know, AI and digital health um, as a way to enhance delivery of care, but not replace it. Right. Do you feel like COVID, I know it fast forwarded to the extreme, having to go digital. Do you feel like it made things go askew or it made things move ahead in a positive way? Uh, in terms of, do you mean in terms of? Um, it, like connecting the providers and making things more accessible. Um, I think it moved forward in, in a positive way. I, I think it did. Um, you know, I don't have the, the statistics in front of me, but, you know, we, we in the Veteran Healthcare Administration, you know, we were able to see, um, as many or more patients, you know, than we did when, you know, it was all in-person care. Um, so, and I think that is the same for, you know, in general, pri- private industry, um, right. your organizations. So, um, you know, it's amazing what you can do, you know, when you're in a dire situation and mm-hmm. the pandemic certainly was. Um, but, you know, so now going back, evaluating and, you know, determining how we can make this definitely 
uh, a model that we, you know, use, you know, going forward, just again, as another modality of care. Right. Well, Valerie, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, I just think, you know, the the world is is our oyster for all of us. And, you know, we can be impactful and um, just continue to focus on, you know, what is important to you, what makes your heart sing, I will say, and then applying that to, you know, what you do every day in your leadership journey. Awesome. Well, Valerie, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to check out our other podcasts, Keeping IT Brief and Afternoon Tea, available on your podcast providers. Mm.